Welcome to the House of Worship. Want to thank you so much and praise God for His blessings that we are gathered here this morning and for giving us this wonderful day so we can worship Him. We are going to open with Psalms 103, verses 1 to 5, and 20 to 22. Blessed is, is the Lord, blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all His benefits. Who forgives all the iniquities? Who heals all the diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with forgiveness, loving kindness, and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your mouth, your youth is renewed like the angels? The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, hearing the voice of his word. Bless, all, bless the Lord, all his hosts, your ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Let's all stand with the hymn of praise.
Good morning, everyone. My name is Maciel Davila Ferrer, and this is Tandeka. And I'm going to just encourage her to take one step a little closer so you can see her beautiful face. Tandeka and I have been studying a while, a good while. <laughs> and here we are today. I want to tell you a little bit something about this girl. I'm going to brag a little bit, okay? Can I embarrass you? Perfect. She's 15. This is amazing. Tandek and I have been studying a while, and it was seldom that we started in September that she didn't come with one or two or three of her friends um, because she wanted to share the experience with them. She was the one that had the most intuitiveness, but most recently she brought her younger sister. And I saw her take the posture of a leader where she would have been eager to answer questions before she would pause to give her younger sister an opportunity to think things through and answer for herself. And she was so eager to share. And I was amazed by both of these young women, so I tried to push as far as I could, push as we were studying the book of John, to make, to make connections theologically, and then I pushed as far as asking them to write a sermon. They were amazing. A truth spoken simply from their hearts but I want you to look at one of our premier scholars coming up in the Adventist church. Amen? She has a deep love for Jesus and a deep love for his word. But I may have rambled on far enough, so I will share her words with you today. It says, my speech, and then has a heart beside it. I've been a Seventh-day Adventist my whole life. My mother has definitely had the biggest impact on my spiritual life with her always encouraging me to ask questions if I didn't understand. When I was little, I believed in God, but I wasn't very sure of myself. This led me into Bible studies in the sixth grade. That was four years ago. Now, you can tell I wasn't impatient with anything as I really wanted to make sure my connection with God was strong. Pastor Maciel really helped me reach my goal and is continuing to help me go even further. The best thing she ever taught me was how to really understand what the Bible is saying and how to listen to what God might be saying to you. I value everything she has taught me and I am so thankful for an amazing teacher and a second mother. I want to say thank you to all my family and friends for being with me on this continuing journey. Family and friends, will you wave? And now the whole family, will you wave? That's everybody. I'm excited for what is to come in my future with God right with me. And I am loving my church to support me. And a loving church to support me. You ready? Yeah. Tendeka. Queen Tendeka. Because you have loved Jesus a very long time and you are ready to spend the rest of your life committed to him because sin no longer has a hold on you and you are beginning a new life in him, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your journey might have been longer than four years, but
but your heart might be ready today to make this commitment to Jesus. We, as a pastoral staff, live for this moment because it means that you know who you belong to. If you feel a stirring in your heart, please talk to one of us. We would love to walk through Bible study and baptism with you. Thank you so much, Tendeka, for giving us an example of somebody who is was in love with Jesus and committed to him. Church, do you accept her as a member here in full standing because of her commitment today? Air high fives and a round of applause. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we rejoice with you today. Nothing could be more special than this moment. Thank you for Tendeka. Thank you for the legacy of faith that she is already living. Be with us today and be with her forevermore. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, these are the high Sabbaths that we can all be very excited about when another person gives their heart to Jesus. I want to welcome you to College Heights Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I want to give you an opportunity to welcome each other. So at this time, if you see a friend or family member or a long-lost enemy that you just want to say hi to, you feel free at this time just to greet each other in peace in the house of God. you to continue your fellowship after the service, continue talking and hanging out with each other in the foyer and find the right Sabbath school or small group class to join so you can continue talking because really one of the best parts about coming to church so early in the morning is to be able to talk with friends and family you don't get to see throughout the week. Uh, Just a few announcements before we kind of kick into worship uh, any further. Our mission here at this church is to make disciples who, as you can see, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our or their God. Um, A couple of sad announcements. Our our deepest condolences to many families. Um, There have been a loss of many loved mothers uh, in the past week, including um, Della Trenchuk, whose funeral will be, um, as you can see, September 1, just this Sunday, at the Wambald Funeral Home at 2 p.m. It's out in Pinoca. Uh, but our sincerest condolences to the Trenchuk family, and the, uh, there's many families in the bulletin. Um, but uh, we're very sad when we lose people who we care so much about. So please make sure to take a look in your bulletins and, and give a call and have a prayer for those who uh, you know. 
some other announcements, uh, very exciting. We have a revival series that has been going on since last night that Pastor Ted has been coordinating, and it continues tonight at 7 p.m. at the Early Teen Room, and tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So uh, if you want to have a new experience with God, and you want to revive your experience with God, these are special meetings to help with that at 7 o'clock in the Early Teen Room. Uh, just next Sunday, we have a family ministries picnic at, uh, you know, I, it's somewhere in the bulletin. I don't actually know where it is yet, but uh, next Sunday there's a family's ministry picnic, and I know I'm going to be there because it's easier to watch your kids outside than it is inside. They can run around and have fun. So I hope you join us out there. Uh, I'm sure the detailed information is in your bulletin. I always just like to shout out to our local schools, uh, College Heights Christian School, even though it begins on Tuesday and we kind of have an opening day this week, we're still accepting applications. And I, I said this a few Sabbaths ago, kindergarten is free. And you know that Adventist education can be very expensive. So when kindergarten is free, that's a good deal. You've got to take that. So... If you know any grandchildren or have any children who you're wondering where are they going to go to school, CHCS is still open, and so is PAA. They started their first week, but they are still accepting students. Uh, and so if you have students who are just still on the fence, uh, sign them up. But about PAA, there's a business meeting on September uh, 9 at 7 p.m. Our church is going to vote to become a constituent member of the school so we can support them. That's the discussion. It will be up to us to, to decide that. But we want to encourage you to come out to that meeting uh, September 9. Uh, just one final announcement. Very soon we're going to be launching our life groups, which is another word for small groups, a time where communities can get together in smaller pockets to have fun together and share life together. And I just want to encourage you, uh, it's not too late to be a leader. You have your connection cards in the front of your pew. Uh, fill those out and, or ask some more questions. We would love to have more life group leaders. Thank you for joining us this Sabbath. Oh, that's right. I have to do this part. Uh, we have our tithes and our offerings that we collect. Our tithes go to the advancement of the gospel worldwide, and our offering goes to support the mission of the local church here in Lacombe. So I'd like to invite our uh, deacons up front, and we'll have a prayer, and God, and then we will collect God's tithes and our free will offerings. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful that you brought us here this morning, and we're thankful that you have blessed us here in Canada with so many resources. And what we give back to you, Lord, we ask that you would bless and that it would work to your mission and the saving of people all around the world and locally here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'd invite you to bow your hearts with me and those that are able, kneel with me. The words to the song are on the screen. <clears throat> Here Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have 
to pause for a moment to speak with you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship in this venue in peace and quiet. May our hearts be turned towards you. You have offered each one salvation. May we reciprocate in our relationship with you. Dear Lord, we're a group of sinners. We need you to offer us salvation, and you have offered us salvation. Forgive us, Lord, for our waywardness, our stubbornness. We thank you for all the blessings that we enjoy in this part of the land. And as we approach a time of elections in provincial and federal jurisdictions, we ask that your will may be done. May your spirit lead. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will be with those that mourn. We have three mothers of families who have gone to their rest. May we realize, may we look forward with hope to the resurrection morning. Be with Sister Nancy Nagali as she is in the hospital. We thank you that Brother Jeffrey has come home. Be with others who are suffering from health issues. May our hearts be turned toward you as Brother Potts opens your word to us. May we be receptive to your word in our lives. Go with us today in the rest of this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Children, it's your time. Children's story. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Good morning, boys and girls. My, we have a lot of very good-looking boys and girls this morning. About myself. When I was a little girl, probably about the age of some... Is there anybody here who's about 10? Okay, we have a 10-year-old. I think this story happened when I was about 10. I lived on a farm. Away down... Past our pasture was an old, old house. Now, this old house had no doors, no windows. There were cracks in the walls. So that doesn't sound like a very interesting place to go, does it? 
but it was my favorite place to go when my cousin would come over. We would walk down the pasture and we would go and we called it the pigeon house. Now, do you know what a pigeon looks like? I'm going to show you a picture of a pigeon. There were so many pigeons in this house. And I had a pet pigeon that looked like this that would come and fly and sit on my head or sit on my shoulder that I had gotten from this house. And so one day, my cousin and I went down the pasture path and all the way to the house. We wanted to see how many babies there were. And there wasn't even a stairway in the house. It was just a ladder to climb up into the attic. And so we looked, and there were nests everywhere. You could hardly walk anywhere because there were so many nests. Some nests had babies in. Some nests had eggs in. But we loved going up there to see what kind. There were different colors of pigeons even. And we were up there looking at uh, over all, of course, the, the adult pigeons all flew away when we came up there. And so they're flying around outside. And while we're looking at the pigeons, we heard a car. Well, the car, I mean, going down the road, the road wasn't too far away. But when we looked out through the cracks in the wood, we saw something. That car stopped. And out of that car got two men. Well, we were scared. We didn't know these people. But the more, uh, even more scary was what they did. They went to their trunk and they took out guns. Now, people with guns sometimes don't think very well, and we knew there were lots of pigeons. They were looking at all these pigeons flying around. Well, the house was not very sturdy. It couldn't keep a bullet because that wood wasn't very good. We looked out through these cracks, and they were starting to walk toward the, the house. Now, we were really scared, but we remembered something. In worship every day, our moms and dads talked about you know, if you're ever in trouble, remember to pray. And so two little girls knelt down. And I'll tell you what was all over the floor. You can imagine what was all over the floor when there were many pigeons. It wasn't very pretty, but we didn't care. We knelt down and we folded our hands and we prayed, Dear Jesus, please protect us from these men that with the guns. And so we opened our eyes and guess what we saw? Those men turned right around. They went right back to their car. And they never shot a single bullet. Now, why do you suppose that happened? Do you think that God answered our prayer? 
Yes, as a little girl, I learned that God loves me so very much. He was willing to protect me. And so, boys and girls, I want you to remember that God loves you and that he is a very safe place to be when you are in trouble. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. And help us always to remember that you love us and that you care for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember to get your baskets. And if there aren't quite enough, you Jesus, can maybe share. take these hearts of mine. Make it pure and, and holy thine. On the cross you died for me. Good morning. I can, uh, I, I can, well, let me put it this way. I would expect that there are a few fathers out here who have daughters that know how proud I am whenever I stand up on a stage with my daughter and sing with her. Uh, it's, uh, we are from the States, but we're leaving here, uh, her here, uh, for you for the next uh, school year. Um, so take good care of her and uh, her, her mother and I will be praying for her, but uh, we'll be praying for you too. I was recently <clears throat> privileged to hear a report from one of our church leaders about his travels around the world. And he was doing a worship um, and his, his basic premise of the worship when he had shown us several places that he had been, churches and other uh, worshipers around the world, was he asked the question, what, what is it with all of our differences around the world that we have in common as Seventh-day Adventists? And his conclusion was, we worship the Savior, our Creator, on his Sabbath. And that's just about it. And this song celebrates our Savior. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Oh, uh-huh. 
have hopelessly lost our way. Oh, we hopelessly lost our way. Thank you, Jim and Bailey. And Jim will do our best to take care of Bailey through the school year. It's good to see you today. Welcome to worship. I'm pleased to announce that our newest member of our pastoral team, Jordan Smith, showed up this week. Jordan, are you here somewhere? I don't see her. She may be here for our second service. She doesn't officially start until tomorrow, September 1st. But last night she was preaching for Vespers. And so she's kind of jumping right in. And uh, we're delighted that she's here. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord Jesus, as we come before your open word, we pray for your spirit to come close. Speak to our hearts. Prompt us to action. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our topic today is a place to call home. Now, God has put it inside each of our hearts to want to be a part of something that is bigger than we are. Something that's making a difference. Something that matters. Something that's going to last beyond this world. In fact, the best use of our lives, really, is to be a part of something that will last beyond this world. Amen? 
Of course, Jesus left only one community behind that's going to last forever, and that is his church. And today we want to talk about what it means to belong, to have a place to belong. We know that uh, in spite of the fact that we have many people around us, many times uh, we feel lonely. And sometimes the worst kind of loneliness is that loneliness when you feel when you're surrounded by people, but you're not really making contact with others. But God has uh, a special plan there. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God places the lonely in what? In families. Because this is God's plan. We all need a spiritual family. We all need a spiritual home. Am I right? We all do. Today, we really want to look at why that is so. We look at four reasons. Uh, And we'll focus today on the story of the prodigal son. This is perhaps the the best-known parable in the Bible. And it is a story that Jesus told that really touches deeply my heart. I'm sure that many of you love this story as much as I do. But this story begins with uh, the dad who had two sons. And the younger son came to him and said, Dad, I want my inheritance right now. Can't wait for you to die. Give me my share of the family fortune. Now, that's not a very polite thing to say to your dad, is it? I can't wait for you to die. Uh, It's a little bit selfish. Now, in those days, the fathers were not really at liberty to figure out how they would divide uh, the inheritance. Uh, With two sons, you were required to give the oldest son two-thirds and the youngest son one-third. And so he's basically saying, give me my one-third now because I'm sick and tired of this place. I want to get out of here. I don't want to be with you anymore. That's pretty audacious, isn't it? Say, Dad, uh, I don't want you. I don't need you. Give me my money. I'm leaving. And to my amazement, the father does it. He gives him the one thirty. He divides his estate between the two sons. And so it takes the younger son a few days to get his things together, get his ducks lined up, and he's out of there. He's off to a distant country. And of course, when he was... Uh, In that distant land, the Bible says that that he was living a reckless life, a wild life. I remember preaching on this story one time, and one of my church members whose husbands was not a Christian happened to be there with her in church. And I said, this young man wasted that money with wine, women, and song. And this husband shouted off in the back, that sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) And it was a little bit embarrassing. I wasn't sure what to do with a heckler like that. But uh, the fact of the matter is, when he was paying for the drinks at the pub, he had lots of friends, you know. But it wasn't long until the money ran out. And when he was destitute, he begged one of the farmers to give him a job feeding the pigs. Now, for a Jewish boy to feed pigs, that was a disgrace, you know. But he was feeding those pigs, and he would have eaten the pig food if he could have. Nobody gave him anything. He was destitute. And then a great famine came along, and nobody had anything. And so this is the context of this story. And Jesus told this story specifically in the context because there were some Jewish leaders who were complaining about the fact that Jesus was hanging around with sinful people. He was even eating with them. And these religious leaders said, why are you hanging around with with sinners like this? And he told this story just to answer the question. 
Well, today, we really want to look at the fact that there's at least four reasons why we all need a spiritual home. First of all, home is the place where I run for help. Home is the place where I run for help. Take a look at this younger son here. He's destitute. And Luke 15, 17, 18 says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, I will go home. You know? Home is the place where I can run for help. And he needed help. If there was ever a time when he was in need, this was it. He says, I'm going home. We all need a place to call home. First of all, because home is a place where we can run for help. Where do you turn when you're at the end of your rope? I heard a story. It's not a true story. uh, About a, a, a mountain climber who had been descending a rope. And he came to the end of the rope and he wasn't down to the ledge yet. And he had nothing to do, and so he cried out for help. And uh, God answered him. said, uh, let go of the rope. And the rock climber said, is there anybody else out there? (laughs) where, Where do you turn when you're at the end of your rope? We need a place to run for help. The Lord is that place. His church is that place. It's interesting that whenever I got into trouble as a young person, I always knew I had a home. I could talk to mom. I could talk to dad. I knew there was a place where I could run for help. We need a refuge. And interesting, the Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, God actually set up three cities of refuge there when they were inhabiting the promised land. God said, you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And these were cities where if you had accidentally killed someone or if, uh, if in self-defense you had killed someone and they were after you and they wanted to take your life, you could run to these cities and they would protect you there until you know, there had been a fair trial and, and justice could be done. But these cities were a refuge where you could go. God said, you must have three cities. There'll be places of refuge. Because he knows life is tough. Life is challenging. And we need a place where we can run for help. We need a family. We need a home. Well, when I was in Winnipeg, we had a family who were actually refugees. They had come from Mexico. And their refugee status was declined. You know, when you come to Canada, you can... uh, you know, ask for refugee status, and the government will look at what your rationale is. And eventually, they were denied. And they were told, you have to leave Canada. You cannot stay here. And they were not quite ready to leave. They sensed that they would have to leave, but they weren't quite ready. And so what they did is they took refuge in the church. They lived in the church for about a week until they got their things ready to go and they could leave the country. It's kind of an unwritten law in Canada that when you are, uh, you know, to be uh, sent out of the country, if you take refuge in a church, the authorities will not come into a church to get you. Isn't that interesting? Even today, the church is that place of refuge. Romans 15 verse 2 says, Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? This is God's plan. In the church, we we are to be a place of refuge, a place where people can run for help. And as we look around, we need to ask ourselves, the Bible says, how can I help you? You know, this is radical, really, because that's not the way the world works, right? 
I mean, I, I have seen this time and time again. I have seen people come to this church for help for different reasons. And uh, I've seen people here that have helped in amazing ways, very generous ways. It's beautiful. But that's God's plan for the church. That we look around at the people around us saying, how can I help? Maybe you've heard the, the story of two guys that were walking through a field one day. And sure enough, out in the middle of the field, they bump into a bull. And when that bull saw them... It became angry and it began to chase them. And the two men started running. And the one yells, we can't outrun this bull forever. He says, I don't have to outrun the bull. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> you know, and, and that's often the way it is in the world, right? You know, everyone for himself. But in the church, God says, we are to be a place where people run for help, where they know that there's refuge, that there's help. Amen. That, that is God's plan. Aren't you glad that we have a home like that? Well, secondly, not only does the church be a place where I run, run for help, but home is also the place where I receive unconditional love. Unconditional love. And take a look at this young man, this younger son there. Notice his thought pattern. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home. Even the hired servants have uh, food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Notice that. He says, I'm not worthy of being called your son anymore. He says, please take me on as a hired servant. That's his plan. He says, dad's going to be mad at me. You know, I've blown one third of the estate. I've told him I don't want you. I don't need you. I don't love you. I want out of here. Dad is not going to be happy to see me. He says, I've got to have a story. <laughs> so listen, if, if I say, just treat me like a servant, maybe he'll take me back. I'm hoping he'll take me back. Treat me like a servant. This is his thought pattern, you know. But we see the response of the father in verse 20, the very next verse. And so as the, as the young son returned home to his father, the Bible says, well, he was still a long way off. The father saw him coming. Let me ask you, why did the father see him when he was a long way off? He was looking for him, wasn't he? You can just picture that father day after day, you know, is he coming home today? I hope today will be the day when he comes home. And so the father sees him when he's a long way off. And the Bible says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He ran to him. He didn't just kind of wait there at the gate, you know, with arms folded saying, so what do you think you're doing coming back here? A lot of nerve you have, you know. No, 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 no. He runs to his son. Now, you understand in Bible times, men wore robes. You ever tried to run in a long dress? I don't think men, you probably have tried that, but, but maybe ladies, you've tried to run a long, can you run in a long dress? Not so well. You know what you have to do if you're going to run when you've got a long dress on? You've got to reach down, and you've got to hike it up. And so you can, you can imagine that father reaching down, grabbing his robe. This is not dignified, right? And he's running, you know. People can see his bare legs. He's running. The father is undignified. But he doesn't because he can't wait. 
to throw his arms around his boy, you know. This is a picture of our God who is eager to embrace anyone who says, I want to come home. Maybe today, you know, you felt that you've been away from home and life is tough and life is hard and you want to come home. I want to tell you today for assurance, if you take one step toward home, the Father will meet you more than halfway. He will. He will. And so he runs that father to his son. He embraces him and he kisses him. Before the son even has a chance to open his mouth and tell him the story, you know, the father's just got his arms around him because his boy has come home. And so we have this picture, this artist picture of the father embracing his son. And and honestly, I mean, we, we know this story, many of us, but this is not the response we expect, is it? We, we don't expect this father who's been told by the son, give me my share of the estate. I don't want you anymore. I don't want you in my life. I'm leaving. We don't expect this response because this is a response of unconditional love, right? Praise the Lord that Jesus gives us this picture that home is a place where I receive unconditional love regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done. Home is a place where you receive unconditional love. This is to be that home. Amen? God's church. Sometimes, sometimes, we have our own children who have run to a distant land and have squandered their living in recklessness. And sometimes when they come home, we fold our arms and say, you think you're coming back here? God help us that this place would be a home where people receive unconditional love. Amen? Are you with me? I'm appealing to you. When someone comes back and they've been out sowing their wild oats, may the Father's reception of the Son be a picture of how they are received here because this is to be a place where we all receive unconditional love. And let's face it, we all need that, don't we? You know, there are times in our lives when we have made mistakes and stupid decisions and and we need to be loved. We don't need to be criticized. We don't need to be condemned. We need to be loved. And so home is a place where I run for help. Home is a place where I receive unconditional love. You see, this story, just one of three stories in Luke 15. There's the, there's the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, the story of the lost son. And when the sheep, who is one of a hundred, when that lost sheep is found by the shepherd, what does the Bible say he, he says? He tells his friend, I have found my lost sheep. Rejoice with me. And they have, they have a party, right? Because they found the sheep. And when that coin, one of ten coins, is lost, and the woman sweeps the house, looks in the dirt, finally finds that coin, what does she say? You know, let's have a party. Rejoice with me. I found my coin. You know? And when the son comes home, the father says, man, this is my son. He was dead, but now he's alive. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. Do you think God loves parties? <laughs> this Chapter Luke 15 is a story about party after party after party when the lost is found. And so, friends, please, 
This church is to be a place, a home, where when the lost return, they find unconditional love. Now notice John, 1 John 3.18. The Bible says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. It's, it's one thing for us to say, oh yes, when, when the prodigal son comes home, there'll be unconditional love. But the Bible says we need to put our money where our mouth is, right? We need to show by our actions that we welcome home people who have been out sowing their wild oats. This is the kind of community that we have chosen to be. I want to be honest with you. I want to be real with you. Can I do that? This has not always been the experience. Am I right? God help us to do better. To not just say that we love people, but to actually love people. Well, So home is a place, first of all, where I run for help. Secondly, where I receive unconditional love. But thirdly, today, and this is so important, home is a place where I grow up. The church. Our spiritual home is to be a place where we all grow up. Now, this, this young man, he didn't make such good decisions, did he? And it's obvious that he had not grown up at home. He, he was not someone who had matured well at home. And so, here's the deal. If you don't grow up at home, you're going to grow up when you leave home, but it's going to be harder. Have you found that to be true, some of you? I, I know this from personal experience. I, I thought when I left home at the mature age of 18, I thought I was pretty mature. And I came here, and then I ended up the very next year out in the mission field. And uh, I tell you, I grew up that year in the mission field. I matured that year, but it was a lot harder there than it would have been had I grown up at home. But home is to be a place where we grow up. And this young man who was feeding the pigs, he was learning the hard way that he had to mature. He had to learn how to make better decisions in life. And he learned the hard way because he had failed to grow up at home. Now, Paul was pretty clear with the Corinthian Christians. He said, to be perfectly frank, I'm getting exasperated with your infantile thinking. How long before you grow up and use your head, your adult head? Now, this is the message, which is Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase. But, but Paul was pretty clear here. He said, I'm getting a little impatient here because in the church, we've got a lot of people that have not grown up. Paul says, I need you to grow up. Use your adult head here. Think maturely. You know, home is to be a place where we grow up. Ephesians 4, 15, Paul says, God wants us to grow up. And that's you know, our mission statement, by the way. You know, Jesus said, he told the disciples, he said, uh, go and make disciples. That commission is still our commission to make disciples. The fact of the matter is, we are all in the process of becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. We're all in that process. So making disciples doesn't just mean reaching people who aren't here yet. Making disciples means those of us who are in the church, we need to continue to grow. You see, become more like Jesus. God wants us to grow up. 
to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. That is God's plan, isn't it? That we would become more and more like Jesus. You want to know what a mature disciple looks like? Just look at Jesus, all right? It says we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. We take our lead from Jesus. Christ is the head of the church, amen? And he is our leader. We take our lead from him. God wants us to grow up and be more and more mature like Jesus. You see, sometimes we think that we can just hover where we are in our spiritual growth. And we think we're very good spiritual helicopters, you know. We, we don't need to keep moving forward. I'm good right here, right now. I can just kind of hover here spiritually where I am. Folks, we are not helicopters. We are jet planes. You ever seen a jet plane hover? If a jet plane is not moving forward, there's a scientific name for what happens. You know what it is? Crash. <laughs> and so in, in our Christian life... If we are not growing, we're crashing. We're not helicopters. We're jet. We've got to be moving forward, growing more and more like Jesus. If not, we're crashing. Which is it for you? Which is it? Are you moving forward with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, or are you crashing? Those are the two options. And so God, in this spiritual home called the church, He wants us to be able to grow, to mature. In fact, the very next verse, Ephesians 4.16 says, He, Christ, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The church is the body of Christ. Every one of us is part of it. And as each part does its own special work, it helps, get this, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, please do not miss this. If you miss everything else today, don't miss this. In the church, God's plan is that each of us should help the others grow, right? That's God's plan. And when we do that, when we help each other grow, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God has placed you in this spiritual family, in this home, not only so that you can grow, but so that you can help others grow. Now, what that means is we have a responsibility to each other. Home is a place where I run for help. Home is a place where I receive unconditional love. Home is a place where I grow up. Those are God's purposes for the church. And these three things happen best in small groups. Now, hear me out. Here at the College Heights Church... Most of the ministry is not done by the pastoral team. Most of the ministry is done by you ministering to each other. Are you in agreement with me? If you're in agreement, say amen. All right, there's a few people who believe that. The point of this is, the way that we help each other grow happens best in small groups. And so this fall, here in about four weeks, we're going to be launching a number of groups. Last semester, we had 40 different groups, over 400 people engaged regularly. We're looking to increase that. Our goal is that every single active member of our church family would be in a small group because God says we have a responsibility to grow and to help others grow, and that happens best 
in small groups. Listen, today, if you would like to be a group leader, I want to invite you just to take your uh, connection card. That should be in front of you in the pew somewhere. Put your name on it, and on the back just say, I'd like to lead a small group. We'll get you up to speed. We have some very easy ways, by the way, to lead groups. We have some great resources to share with you. I have a series I did on the life of Christ over in Israel. And so you watch a 30-minute video, and we have a list of discussion questions. It couldn't be easier than that. I have another series that we did on the seven churches over in Turkey. And again, we have uh, you know, all the discussion questions already written out for you. Many other resources. But the point is, if you would like to open your home, invite people to come once a week, uh, we'll help you do that, make it a reality. Because this is God's plan for the church. Let's look at the fourth one, the final one. Home is a place where I run for help. Home is a place where I receive unconditional love. Home is a place where I grow up. And finally, home is a place where I find my identity. My identity. It's interesting that that the home you came from is often what people think of when they meet you. Oh, you're a Gustafson. Oh, that's a good name. You know, that, that's kind of your identity, your guesses. I know our daughters, our four daughters, when we, were, when we were growing up, when they were growing up, my wife and I were growing up too, but when our daughters were growing up, they would say, well, well can't we do such and such? Because they do these things. And you know what we told them? We're potses, and this is the way we do it. You know? We, we couldn't argue necessarily why other people in the church did things in such a way. We just said, we are potses, and this is the way we do it. You know? But home, home is where you get your identity. You find your identity. And so notice what happens when this young son comes home. And he says to his father, you know, his father has embraced him before he even had a chance to open his mouth. The father embraces it. But now the son gives the speech. And Luke 15, 21 and on, he says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. That's the rehearsed speech. I'm not worthy to be a son. Just make me a hired servant. But notice the, the, the father interrupts. He, he's not listening to his son at all. He says to the servants, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. And get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the fatted calf we've been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast, right? God loves parties. We must celebrate with a feast. For this my son, this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Father's not listening to this son's speech at all. The son says, you know what? I'm not worthy to be a son here. I don't deserve that. Just make me a hired servant. The father's not listening. Notice these four gifts that the father gives the son. First of all, the finest robe. Bring the finest robe and put on. This is a symbol of great honor. Only someone who is honored would be offered the finest robe in the house. By the way, when we come to God just as we are, what robe does God put on us? 
the robe of Christ's righteousness, you know, his perfect life. And so the, the father says, bring the finest robe. And secondly, he says, and the fattened calf, you know, kill that calf because we are going to have a celebration here. My son has come home. Who did they kill the fatted calf for? Only someone of great importance. Only someone of great significance. You know, that calf was a very special thing. To kill that fatted calf, that meant, you're so important to me. You're so valuable to me. And then thirdly, we, we, we see this uh, sandals, you know, the shoes for his feet. Servants, by the way, in those days normally didn't wear shoes, didn't wear sandals. They went barefoot. But when you were a son, you had to wear shoes, you see. And so this uh, father is saying, put sandals on his feet. This is not a servant. This is my son. He's restoring his son to full status in the family. And finally, this ring. Often we overlook the ring. You know, as Adventists, we don't like to talk about rings too much. But um, he says, put a ring on his finger. See, this was, this was not any ordinary ring. This was a signet ring. This was a ring that had the family monogram on it. And when they sent letters back in those days, you know, they had the little drop of wax and they would put the signet ring as an imprint. When the father, you know, the, the son had lost his signet ring long before now, he pawned it off or sold it or whatever. But the father says, put that ring on his finger. He is part of this family, has full authority. As part of this family, he belongs here. Let me ask you today, you know, this signet ring, this is such a significant thing to put that ring on his finger. Symbolizing the full restoration of this son who had squandered a third of the estate, who had told his father, I don't want you, I don't love you, I don't need you, can't wait to get away from you. And now the father restores him. His identity, he is not a servant. He is a son. Let me ask you today. Who are you? Who are you really? The Bible makes it clear that each of us was created by God and belongs to God. You are his child, my friend, created in his image and your ultimate home is with him. Amen. That's who you are and that is where you belong. You belong in God's family. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you belong. This is what the Bible says, Ephesians 2.19. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. I'm speaking to you heart to heart now today. The Bible says, friend, you belong in God's family. You belong in this spiritual home. You have a place to call home here. You belong here. And that's the good news of the gospel through Christ. We have an identity as children of God. We belong in his home. We belong. Some of you might feel today, you know what? I've gone too far. I've done too much I can't come home I want you to know today that it's not too late to come home 
that you can come home today. Take that one step toward the Father and say, Father, I'm coming home. And know that his arms of love will embrace you and he will make you his child. Restore you fully just as that son. Today, I want to ask you to take action on what you've heard today. And uh, so three next steps I want to recommend to you and maybe you want to just write them down on your connection card and share that with me. Put it in the box out in the foyer. But if, if you'd like to say today, if that's true, if that's really the gospel, I want to get to know God better. Maybe you've not been spending any time with him. Could you spend 10 minutes a day with God in his word and in prayer? If you're already spending 10 minutes a day, spend 20 minutes a day. Maybe that would be your next step. Then perhaps you want to say, my next step is I'm going to get plugged in to a life group this fall. You know, they start about four weeks. I'm going to get plugged in. Maybe I'm going to lead one. Maybe I'm just going to attend one. That would be a wonderful next step decision for you today. Or perhaps today you want to say, I want to commit to a spiritual home, a church family. Maybe you don't have a church family right now. We, we live in a day and age where people uh, really don't like to commit to anything. <laughs> I want to invite you, commit to a spiritual home. Maybe it will be this one. Maybe it's another one. But commit to that spiritual home, a church family. May God bless you as you do that. Let's sing our closing song today. A song that speaks of home. Let's stand as we sing it together. I believe that the Gamidi family is going to lead us.
now may the Lord bless you with a very clear and distinct sense today that you belong, that you are his child, you are in his family. May God bless you with peace and joy as you walk with Jesus this day. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.